Hey everyone, Misaligned is back this week. Our guest today is Scott Fuger. He writes over at 36 Vultures. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. You know, enjoying the nice weather in Connecticut and just hanging out. <laughs> How's it going with you? Pretty good. I mean, you know, the weather is never too horrible in California, so <laughs> no complaints here. And I sort of just wanted to have you on today to talk about how you got into music writing and you've recently started doing some PR here and there. I know it's, you know, not a big thing for you right now, but I've worked with some of the bands that you've sent my way. I know we had one on the podcast, I believe, or I did an interview with them. One of the two. I know I definitely did something with one of your bands. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that band was Mega Weapon. Um, yes. Michelle was on the podcast. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Having a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, so the way I got into music writing was pretty much, um, I don't know. I've just always loved music. It's always been a huge part of my life. And I guess now that I think about it, I did do a couple uh, album reviews for my high school newspaper, but um, that was a pretty fleeting experience. Um, so the first actual kind of writing I did for myself was actually as a application for Modern Vinyl a couple of years ago. And that was a piece I did comparing a vinyl collector to a uh, Pokemon collector. Um, which was, it was a weird experience for me because it kind of like came out super quickly and it was, um, I don't know, just like kind of a lot of the shots in my head were firing and it felt really natural. Um, so even though that didn't, I didn't get picked up with modern vinyl, um, that eventually I found a home for that piece on Thursday's Vultures when I started writing for them. Um, and between that, I had some smaller stints at a site called Goodnight Magazine and then another one and on Funeral Sounds. So it's been sort of a natural progression with writing. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like you sort of just fell into this. Do you think that was because you just enjoyed music so much and when you were at your school's paper were you strictly writing about music or was that sort of something that you just did a couple of times and you weren't actually involved with the newspaper itself um it was almost a thing uh kind of at the towards the end of my high school career kind of scrambling to get something on the college resume um but i, I probably did like two or three reviews that was, it was just reviews um i definitely did Motion City Soundtracks, My Dinosaur Life, and I'm pretty sure I did one of the Angels and Airwaves albums. They're probably embarrassingly on Tumblr somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of writers will say, too, that, you know, they either don't read their older stuff, or when they do, they most of them, they just think it's absolutely horrible. And I think I'm definitely that way, because when I first got into music writing, it was when I was at Drexel. So I didn't get involved with my high school newspaper or anything like that. And basically, you know, some of the classmates a grade above me had been working on this music industry run website, basically at Drexel. And it wasn't necessarily 
affiliated with Drexel. It was more affiliated with the music industry program itself. And that is sort of how I got into doing that. And I definitely have not gone back to read any of that stuff, at least not recently by any means. Have you gone back and read some of your first pieces or anything like that? Or do you sort of just try to focus on what you have coming up and what you're working on now? Um, If I looked back, I have looked back kind of maybe a year or two ago at those first reviews, and I was pretty embarrassed. Um, I know there were definitely puns involved in both of <laughs> the titles of the reviews, um, but actually a couple weeks ago, I was looking back at the first ever interview I did, um, which was with the band Pentimento, and that was just about two years ago now that um, that happened, and, you know... That was the first time that I, like I said, the first time I ever did an interview, but it felt so natural. And like looking back, I still, I feel like it was a really great conversation. And um, that was kind of a turning point in like my musical writing because that's, interviews are really my main focus. And, you know, I like being able to dig in with a band and find them like talk to them to find the best way to present their story and kind of their own words rather than, you know, like music criticism isn't something that I feel as comfortable with or as good at. Right. And I did want to specifically ask you about your interview style and how you don't just post questions and answers, which is what I do simply because I'm mostly doing email interviews with bands. So I feel like it's a little harder to sort of frame that in a way that you frame your interviews. And I know you've interviewed a couple of the artists on my label. So what made you decide to go with that sort of approach to make it more of a story than just a straight up, you know, question and answer interview style? Uh, it actually, the root of it was out of sort of necessity. Um, there were a couple of interviews that I had where the audio recordings that I had of them um, just you know, technology malfunctioned and they disappeared. So I had to work off my notes. Um, but I found that, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of makes it easier to read sometimes, especially like, like I said, the way I do it is really, I try to dive in deep with bands um, to get them to say like, you know, kind of more personal stuff and less of the kind of surface level stuff that you see just from a news post or sort of any other interviews. Um, so I feel like lots of times the interviews that I do kind of run long and they tend to get like very wordy answers from the band, which is makes it easy to have good content, but also like makes it easy to narrow it down to sort of make it more of more enjoyable to read for uh, more enjoyable for readers rather than, you know, skimming through lots of the interviews I end up transcribing end up being like four or five, six pages, single spaced in words. So, you know, it really just came out of necessity for sure. <laughs> right. And have you always preferred doing interviews over the phone or in person just so you can sort of get a better grasp on the artists that you're interviewing? Because I know personally, email interviews aren't necessarily the best way to interview a band, but oftentimes it's the most convenient. And then, you know, there's no transcribing involved in that sort of stuff. But I've done interviews every way, basically. I've done email, phone interviews, in-person interviews. And I do like the idea of phone or in-person better simply because you can 
sort of ask real time follow up questions. You know, I think with email, it's like once you send your questions out, it's like that's kind of what you're stuck with. And you sort of have to phrase them in a way where it sounds like the next question is sort of a follow up question, hoping that the band answers the way you're thinking they will. So it's a little trickier with email interviews. But do you definitely prefer the in-person and phone interviews, even though transcribing can take quite a while. Yeah, I definitely, I do prefer that way. Um, it feels, you know, you're, like you said, you're able to have more of a back and forth. It feels more like a conversation and I feel like you're, it's makes it a lot easier to, you know, if they mention something small, just as part of their answer to a question, you can be like, Oh, that part of your answer interested me. Tell me more about that. So it really, I feel like it gives sort of a wider picture of the audio, of the artist and, you know, just like allows you to, it's almost like a podcast where it, like you, it turns into a conversation rather than just a question and answer, which I feel like gives uh, sort of that deeper look into both who they are as a person and as an artist. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like with these guest episodes and everything, I try to do that. While obviously I have questions I'm going to ask because you can't really have a conversation without asking questions of some sort because even if you're talking about the same album it's like hey do you like this too or you know what are your thoughts on this but there are questions that lead into conversation I feel like and you know I would probably not be thrilled if I had to transcribe every single podcast I've done because as you know I do two podcasts a week and that would just be crazy to try and transcribe those in a timely manner. And I listened to one podcast where there's a transcription available for every episode. And the nice thing about that is for anyone with any sort of impairment or anything like that, they can always read the transcription instead of listening to the podcast or something like that. And while it would be great to be able to do something like that, I think with most podcasters, there's just not the time for it because you're already spending the time, you know, recording the episode, editing the episode, uploading and doing, you know, any extra things that one might do, like when I do podcast chapters and that sort of thing. So I think there's definitely some improvements that could be made to transcribing technology, I guess you could say, like, it would be great if you could just put an audio file in somewhere and it would actually transcribe it accurately for you. <laughs> and I'm sure for you as an interviewer, that would definitely speed up the process for you. Yeah, I mean, I tend to, I'll take the audio file, I'll play it at like, normally about like half to three quarter speed. And then I'll just, you know, play and pause it. Uh, normally, if, if it's like a 15 to 20 minute interview, it'll be like just under an hour for me to transcribe it. So it's not like, ridiculously horrible but uh there definitely could be much easier especially if i had like an intern or you know, some <laughs> great technology yeah every time i've had to transcribe an interview i'm like would it be worth it to pay someone to do this and then you know i never end up doing that because it's like all right i do so few phone and in-person interviews that it's like okay if i keep it to you know 10 to 15 minutes like you i know i can get that done in a relatively quick fashion and I think, you know, email interviews, obviously the quickest to do because all you do is you send out the questions and then you post them when you get them back. So, you know, I 
wouldn't say I don't like email interviews. I just feel like it's very hard to make those more personalized. And I still really do try to do that just, you know, for the sake of not having the same interview practically for every artist. For your writing, though, aside from interviews, do you enjoy doing reviews or more editorial pieces like that? Or are interviews sort of your go-to for music writing? Interviews are definitely my go-to. I mean, every once in a while, if there's like an album that I feel like I have something to sort of like add to the conversation about, um, then, you know, I'm not opposed to that. But for the most part, it's pretty, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely enjoy interviews and I um, I do like feature pieces here and there as well. Um, Just sort of when the inspiration hits, but um, definitely interviews come, you know, I'd I have a lot of sort of like social anxiety. So interviews have helped me work on that a lot. And it also just feels like the most natural form that my writing takes. Right. And aside from the music writing, I know you have a day job that doesn't involve music writing or anything like that. So what do you do to sort of pay the bills and everything, essentially? Uh, Right now, I've been uh, cashiering at Whole Foods. So, you know, could be could be better, but it could definitely be worse as well. <laughs> it's a pretty chill there for the most part. Right. And you mentioned you're in Connecticut, right? Yes. So what is the music scene sort of like there? Is it easy t- for you to get in-person interviews with bands? Is, you know, Connecticut a frequent stop on tours? Honestly, you know, I get tour ad mats every day pretty much, but it's like, you know, when you're looking at an ad mat, you're sort of just looking for your state and seeing if they're coming near you or relatively near you. So I don't really pay attention to where tours take place on the East Coast anymore now that I'm not in Philadelphia. <laughs> so is that something that's fairly easy? Is there a decent music scene there? Um, Yeah, there's definitely um, some pretty good local bands for sure. Um, there's this band Cheem, who's really awesome. Uh, there's like this math rocky band called The Most who are really cool. And um, the Foresters is like they're kind of an indie band that is actually the first band that I started working PR for, um, and they're really awesome. But um, in general, the my favorite part about Connecticut is sort of that it's it's proximity to everything. You know, it's two hours up to Boston, two hours to New York, two and a half to three down to Philly. Um, so even if a tour doesn't hit Connecticut, which most of the bigger ones don't. We have some decent, like, mid-sized venues like Toad's Place um, and a new one called College Street Music Hall that opened up a couple of years ago. Um, but even if they don't hit Connecticut, it's, you know, not too much of a trek to other places that are always hit, no matter what. Right. And you mentioned doing PR for the Foresters. How did you get into doing PR? Was it something you just sort of wanted to try out and see how it went, see if you liked it and everything like that? Um, it was actually sort of the way like my music writing came kind of organically. PR kind of happened the same way. Um, okay. I was part of a student-run record label at the University of New Haven, um, and the Foresters were one of the bands that we were in talks with to signing them. And when that kind of fizzled out, um, I knew that I, they already had their record recorded, and I really enjoyed it, and I really wanted to help them out. So I ended up reaching out to them on my own and we just had a few talks and the PR was kind of where it naturally fell for me to, you know, best help them. 
and I actually turned it into an internship as well, which uh, worked out pretty well for both of us, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So are you planning to stay in Connecticut then since you feel that it's very easy to get to these shows, even if you know they aren't coming through Connecticut directly? Yeah, I think I'll probably end up staying in Connecticut for a while, at least. Um, at some point, I'll probably, I don't know, I could see moving down to Philly or something. Uh, I really love Toronto, so that'd be another awesome place to live. But Connecticut's not bad. It's it's definitely familiar. And it's, you know, like I said, it's really nice that it's kind of close to everything. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it, it do you find it hard to get to shows in the winter or anything like that? Or is everything, you know, still relatively easy to get to on snowy days and things like that? Uh, it's normally not too bad. I mean, we'll have a few pretty bad snowstorms a year, but for the most part, I've, I don't think there's ever really been a show that I haven't been able to make due to weather. And I think there was like a Wonder Years acoustic holiday show that was up in Rhode Island that they canceled due to weather. But then the rescheduled date a couple of months later ended up having like even worse weather. So <laughs> but that's the only time I can think of. Yeah, I just remember being in Philly. There were some nights because I didn't have a car. So I was, you know, walking and taking the subway everywhere or taking the Drexel shuttle, which didn't run late enough to take that back from concerts by any means. But Frank Turner was playing at the Electric Factory and it was probably 20 something degrees out and I just totally bailed on it because I was like I do not want to walk and be on the subway and this weather just for a show and you know I didn't have a ticket to it so it wasn't a huge deal I have a friend who he's actually still working at electric factory right now so I would sort of just like hang out at coat check with him to go to <laughs> free shows and everything <laughs> so you know it wasn't the end of the world but I still sort of regret that some days because I still have not seen Frank Turner live. So, you know, that's totally on me and my lack of wanting to walk in cold weather to get to a show. So I was just curious how it was for you, because if you're coming to, you know, New York, Boston, Philly, you're obviously probably driving, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I uh, think I've put I'm just about five years with my car, and I've put 125,000 miles on it almost. So, yeah, driving that, all over that the place is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, going back to the PR, is that something you you are still doing right now, or is it sort of just as bands come to you, you'll work with them? Because for me, that's sort of how it is. It's like, okay, you know, I have this big plan to seek out a ton of bands and see if I could, you know, make freelance PR an actual job. And then you sort of email bands or you know, you have to make sure they're not with another PR firm and everything like that. And you sort of realize how hard it is to get people to understand sometimes too why they should pay for PR. And I remember one day I posted in the Defend Pop Punk group and someone told me to write for free. I was like, that's not that's not what I'm talking about with PR. <laughs> and I was like, and I write for all of these places for free. So thank you. So do you find it you're just working with bands as they come to you or are you actively seeking out bands to work with? Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm still kind of trying to find that sort of uh, work home life balance. Um, so so far, it's kind of been things that have more fallen into my lap, but um, definitely it's something in the future that I want to continue to expand upon. Um, 
because, you know, sort of the same way as interviews go, I really like getting to know the artists that I've been working with and finding the best way to sort of present them. You know, like, I've been thinking a lot lately sort of about, you know, the whole, just like the idea of premieres on websites and sort of like, oh, here's this new song from this new band, listen to it on this website exclusively versus sort of like the idea of, you know, seeking out, you know, like the misaligned podcast for an in-depth interview or getting like a feature on in substream or something, you know, like the sort of more substance rather than just like sheer quantity. Um, like news posts are not really something that I enjoy reading or writing or <laughs> anything like that. So, right. you know, really um, just like finding the things to get the best information about a band into the right hands to sort of become, to make the connection to have people become like really strong fans who are going to stick around throughout the releases, throughout the tours, throughout the years. Because, I mean, that's the kind of fan I am. So that's kind of the way I think about getting fans is like the strong connections rather than just like, oh, I've heard of that band. Let me check out this song and then not even remember that they have an album coming out by the time it comes out. Yeah, I totally understand what you mean, because as I'm sure you know, recently for Hi-Fi Noise, I made some changes to how I'm running the site and everything. And it's like, you know, basically what I'm doing now is I'm trying to get up a post a day and... I'm trying to make them posts that are sort of of more substance because, you know, I was doing the thing with news posts where it's like so-and-so put out a song, either go stream it exclusively at this site or check it out below. And it was, you know, these two, three sentence news posts. And I was like, okay, this is sort of getting exhausting to do. So what I'm doing now is I have, you know, Hootsuite open on my computer all day and I just basically post songs and videos to my social media feed, so to Twitter and Facebook. And I feel like that is sort of just so much better than, I wouldn't say wasting time on news posts, but I can do these just as quickly as I could do news posts. And I feel like social media is more so where people are going to look for, you know, songs and videos and that stuff, because Hi-Fi Noise wasn't really getting a ton of, you know, organic traffic, I guess you could say. It's like people weren't typing in hifinoise.com to check out the news on a daily basis like they would for a site like Chorus or New Noise or Substream or something like that necessarily. And I just felt like, you know, if I can just do an interview or a review or a feature or something a day, Monday through Friday, and still be getting roughly the same amount of page views, like, I'm not going to fret over that. And it's just been, you know, so much less stressful, I guess you can say. <laughs> so I definitely understand where you're coming from on the P PR side of that and just wanting something of more substance for your bands because, you know, for either the bands I've been doing freelance PR for or the bands on my label, you know, I'm trying to sort of get the sites that, I know people would go to to look for music like this, you know. So with Elephant Jake, I hit up 36 Vultures, New Noise, and that sort of thing. And, you know, Joel over at 36 Vultures, he was really excited about the Elephant Jake 
album. And it's like, that's sort of the people I want to target when I'm getting these press releases and stuff out. And, you know, I still do the generic, you know, send the press release to X amount of people on my list, but then I'll try and go through and either, you know, Facebook message or email or Twitter DM, however I have to contact either yourself, Joel, or some other writers and sort of send a more personalized pitch. And that's typically what helps get the premieres and the posts and everything like that. Yeah, that's definitely, I'm definitely similar to that. Um, I mean, it makes sense to have a press release kind of together. Like even sometimes if you don't send out a full press release, like to a full list, I mean, sort of just having all that information in one spot and saying that along with a personalized pitch kind of makes things a little bit smoother for sure. (laughs) Definitely. And, you know, before we sort of get too redundant here with the interviews and everything, is there anything you've been looking to try with your interviews that you haven't had the chance to? Is there, you know, do you have a bucket list of artists you would like to interview over at 36 Vultures and you just haven't yet? Or do you sort of just play it by ear? Um, the, the only artist that I can really think of that I would really love to interview would be the Wonder Years. Um, them, Silverstein, and Pentimento are my top three favorite bands, and I've hit two of the three so far. I actually talked to Shane Told from Silverstein twice, one time for uh, his solo project, River Oaks, and another time about Silverstein. Um, so yeah, other than that, you know, I really, I like getting to know the bands that are just sort of coming up as well. So I mean, like, talking to Elephant Jake was awesome, you know, um, I'm totally spacing out other small bands at the moment. Um, actually, this other band, Tiny Stills, um, who's uh, they actually launched a, launched a Kickstarter a few days ago. Um, I did like this really awesome. That was the one, probably the best email interview I've done. Like their uh, head songwriter and vocalist, uh, Kaylin, did. Uh, she wrote like amazing responses to my questions. Um, so you know, just getting to sort of know these bands and then continue talking to them as they grow. Um, It's just like really awesome to kind of be part of that. Uh, Like another example of that is actually this band Remo Drive. They just put out a new album called Greatest Hits, which is definitely one of the contenders for my album of the year. Um, I premiered a song for them on 36 Vultures a couple of years ago. I did a review for their singer solo project over at Funeral Sounds. And then you know, we talked when this new album came out and it's been getting like a whole bunch of hype. They got like a shout out from the needle drop on YouTube. They, uh, one of the like musical subreddits, they got like a whole bunch of upvotes on and stuff. So it's been, you know, really cool to see some of these artists that I've talked to when they're sort of in their infancy to watch them grow and, you know, continue that relationship and be part of it too. Of course. And just a quick suggestion here, because it just dawned on me that I have done this and it's actually kind of the perfect in-between for an email interview and a phone or in-person interview. I've done a couple of interviews through Facebook Messenger, basically, and you get the luxury of not needing to transcribe it, but you can also just, you know, have that same back and forth as you would if you were on the phone with someone or something like that. So if you haven't consider that or tried it or, you know, ask artists to do that, I would definitely recommend 
you trying that and it would be interesting to see how you take that and still, you know, sort of make it into your story. And it would probably be a lot less work because you're not having to transcribe it too. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I'll probably have to give that a shot sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I end up working with any bands in the future, I will let you know and maybe we can set something up for that. But, you know, right now it's still just Elephant Jake, which I know you and I just recently talked about them again. And I've really been excited about their release and sort of how well it did. It, I wouldn't say in comparison to the other releases on my label, but just how well it did for the label in general and for, you know, what sort of went into it. And I think, you know, they definitely have a cool thing going. But before we wrap it up here, I just want to sort of get a feel for what you've been listening to, whether it's music, podcasts, you know, sort of, do you have anything that you really think people should be checking out right now? Um, Let's see. Like I said, Remo Drive, uh, they're amazing. And they're like the coolest guys. So definitely, they're highly recommended. Um, uh, Let's see. I do really, I have been consistently coming back to the Elephant Jake album as well this year. Um, the new Good to hear. Always, <laughs> yeah, especially now that modern baseball is uh, sort of on their hiatus. They came in at like just the right time, but the some of their songs definitely have that similar vibe to it. <laughs> right. Um, let's see, uh, the Great Heights Band, they're a really awesome sort of poppier, not quite pop punk, but sort of just like chill, cool pop songs. Uh, they just put out a new single today. Let's see, what else have I been really digging? The new Wild Pink LP is awesome. That's uh, out in Tiny Engines earlier this year. And as far as podcasts go, um, always a big fan of Harmontown. Uh, Dan Harmon, the creator of Community and Rick and Mar- Morty, does it's like a live two-hour podcast with Jeff Davis from Whose Lines It Anyway? Uh every week and that's amazing (laughs) so funny um and i've actually been getting into this new one called random random badassery which sort of every once a month they'll go they'll do a deep dive into one of their favorite creators and sort of talk about that person's process for creativity and just sort of like how they go about how their work um, has inspired them and a bunch of other stuff uh Actually, I listened to an episode with Neil uh, on Neil Gaiman uh, okay. last week or the week before, and it was, um, you know, really kind of enlightening and inspirational. So yeah, that one's a new one that I've been really digging a lot for sure. Nice. I might have to check that out because I recently did an American Gods episode for Welcome to Geekdom, and you know the show is going to be out this sunday i believe and we're recording this on april 28th so by the time you guys hear this you know all of this stuff will have been out for at least a couple (laughs) weeks or so but it's definitely interesting how many podcasts you can really dive into and you know as someone who subscribes to way too many podcasts probably (laughs) you know (laughs) oh yeah me too (laughs) it's definitely hard to sort of pick and choose which ones you want to listen to as well and with the amount of good music coming out lately too it's just like there's so much and you know a lot of people are like oh you haven't listened to this yet or you haven't you know checked this out I was like I have so many things to check out guys you should know this by now my list is just never ending for you know stuff to watch stuff to read stuff to listen to so you know I will definitely 
check out some of these recommendations you have. Obviously, I have listened to the Elephant Jake record already. <laughs> so, you know, got one down there. But, you know, Wild Pink, I think, has been sitting in Apple Music for me for a bit now to <laughs> go and check out. And, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm at the point where I feel like I need to schedule music listening or something into my day just so I actually get it done, which, you know, I haven't gotten that compulsive about my schedule for the day yet. It's like I sort of have a routine here and I just sort of then go from there. I don't like block out times to, you know, write for three or four hours, get all my posts done. It's like, okay, I'll do something, decide, okay, I'll write this post and then, you know, I'll check out this album or something like that. I sort of just don't really plan it out too much. Do you find that you sort of have that same problem with listening to so many podcasts and music and having interviews to transcribe and everything? Um, well, like I said, I'm in the car all the time. So that definitely helps with the podcast and the music listening right. for sure. But yeah, I've, I've been trying my best to, you know, sort of get a little bit more stricter with my scheduling for stuff, but still kind of keep it open at the same time, you know, so hopefully, hopefully they'll be getting a little better as far as, you know, keeping on track with things. But um, yeah, in general, I'm mostly pretty relaxed at the moment for better or for worse, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I apologize for having to put this podcast on a little bit of a time crunch here because I have a phone interview, not with a band or anything, but like a job interview that got moved up an hour and a half on me. So Scott, I just want to thank you for coming on. And I will definitely want to have you back on in the future. Maybe we can go, you know, more in depth on some specific interviews you've done, because I've really enjoyed reading a lot of the ones you've done. I know you did a big one with Jesse Cannon before his book came out and everything. So we didn't get to go too in depth on that today. But I think, you know, people have a good understanding of how you approach interviews and that sort of thing and doing PR and everything. So, you know, this was a great conversation. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you, too. It was like you said, a good time. And I definitely appreciate the compliment. <laughs> yeah. And if scheduling works out as I think it will, if there's anyone listening who listens to both of my podcasts, you will get Scott twice this week. So, you know, you will have plenty to enjoy between the two podcasts here. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you for listening as always. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.